0: personal testimonies, and uplifting messages that remind us of the unchanging love and grace available to all. And remember this, you matter to Christ.
1: Welcome, everyone. Chad Burmeister, and I am your host of the You Matter to Christ podcast, formerly Living a Better Story. And I'm here today with two very special guests on the very first episode back on the air after about a six-month break. I have with me today Father Arnold Rosny from Ireland all the way from across the pond from Ireland. And I have Steve D'Angelo, longtime mentor, friend, been on my board of advisors. He is also the author of a book called A Single Day of Peace. And if you don't have it, I think you'd love it. Check it out on Amazon, A Single Day of Peace. Today's topic is Beyond Boundaries, Balancing Spiritual Growth and Success in the Modern World. We're going to touch on some sensitive topics. We're going to touch on some of the chapters from Steve's book. And so, gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us, Chad. Much appreciated. Thank you, Chad. Greetings from Ireland. I love your accent, or I guess we have the accent, probably. (laughs) Way to go. That's right. Well, let's dig in. First, the theme is balance, right? You can only be one to ten happiness if we were using a curve. And so I think a lot of times people look at success in the modern world and probably back hundreds of years ago, how much have you achieved and how many wins have you had? What kind of car do you drive? How big's your house? And those kinds of worldly possessions. In all my conversations, I've found a lot of people who have the worldly possessions, but they don't have the inner peace and they don't have the success and happiness that they thought they'd have when they got there. How do we balance spirituality with success. Steve, why don't we start with you and then we can go to the biblical perspective.
2: Sure. Well, as you know, Chad, that's kind of what I wrote about in my book, A Single Day of Peace. The origin of it was one of the things that inspired me to write it is I worked alongside over my 30 years in business with very successful, wealthy, some billionaires, And candidly, many of them were not happy. While many were happy, one would say, well, how can you have so many things but really not be truly happy? And candidly, they weren't. And I began documenting the principles that the happy people lived by. Hence, that's all part of my book. But it's interesting, this topic, because I'm seeing more and more And the feedback I've gotten from readers more and more has been, Hey, I'm a striver. I want to achieve more for myself and my family, whether it's more money or maybe a second home or a new car. I've always wanted this X kind of car. I'm striving for that, but I'm also connecting more with my spirituality and your book helped me do that. Or people are helping me do that. And I know that's important for my life. So I'm, I'm hearing people talk about this more than they've had in the past. So now they have the courage to talk about it. And I believe and I, I certainly would love to hear Father's perspective, I believe that there is the ability to do both, right? There is the ability that hey, you have to achieve certain things in order to be successful in business, but you also can balance it with doing the right things with others and being spiritual and connecting with your own spirit inside so you do have that true happiness. So I think you can achieve both. It's important to me and in my life. I always say I agree I'm a capitalist. So it's important for me to have both but I'd love father's perspective on it.
3: I think from the perspective of the balance in life generally it strikes me is the whole sense of the Bible offers a balanced way of life but it also offers a message of hope. I think primarily what it brings that fundamentally it's Christ as the risen one straight off the bat there's no negotiating there but it's a Christ who is love, a Christ who is compassion kind and so on. But in terms of the balance in relation to the scripture narrative We could be here forever discussing this, but what strikes me is the whole sense of what is my life? What's the meaning of my life? Who am I? How do I act? And is that in accordance with what I truly believe? I'm lucky I'm in a very busy parish of about 11,000 parishioners, and it's becoming increasingly more international with so many coming in, different faith traditions, different cultures, and so on, which is a real blessing. I often feel, so there's a sense of balance coming in there where it's three quarters, 75% are predominantly Catholic, but there's 25% now bringing a new sense of belief and worship and faith, if you like, that we're now embracing. And we call them the new Irish because they're bringing Hmm. their gifts and their talents to us. But I was speaking about the meaning of life and the whole sense of Christ being love. And I think Christ in his own story, through the miracles, through the stories, through the healings, He brought, I think, on the one hand, a sense of hope and life to those he looked after. For example, the cure of the blind Bartimaeus in the Gospel of John is a story of a person who goes from being blind to being able to see again. But there's also another current of his faith was blind, and now he can see with the eyes of faith. So there's a duality there. Linked up as well is the whole sense of those who are watching, the witnesses, the hearers, how did they feel? How did they come to terms with this? A balanced approach. Well, for some, they went extremes. The Sadducees, the Pharisees, all they wanted to do, they saw him as a threat. Whereas the poor, the vulnerable, they spoke of, and it's line in the Gospels, this is teaching that is new and with authority behind it. Now, not an authority from the corporate capitalist perspective. It was authority of compassion, of love of kindness. So I think the balance is a difficult one to call in particular. I don't think any of us ever get it fully. But I think when we strive for it, it's amazing Mm. what it can do to change our lives.
2: What you brought up there about love and caring, it's interesting. I have seen that in great leaders where no nonsense, no free lunch, they'll hold you accountable. If you don't perform you're gonna have an issue and that's the business world, right? The game is to win and you have to define what winning is, but I have seen those same leaders truly care about people, want to help them prosper, want to help them grow. And they give that kind of, I'll use the word, love and that caring about the individual while they're holding them accountable. And those are the kind of people you love working for because they help you grow, but you know, deep down, they really do care about you more than just the number that you have to produce.
3: I think so. And there's a lovely line, that you, uh, treat others as you would like them to treat you. And I think, you know, I was reading up a little bit about the whole spirituality in the workplace, and it was coming from different aspects and realities. It boils down to respect and dignity for the person. And it just strikes me, like, if I'm working in a company, how can I be fulfilled if I'm being treated horribly or disrespectfully? There is no energy within me to be part of this team. There is no I in team. And Mm -hmm. I suppose from my own world and my own ministry, Sometimes I have to suspend the idea of being a manager to being pastor. There's a fine mm-hmm. balance because on the one hand, people appreciate you for it. On the other hand, some may take advantage of that. So it takes wisdom, I think, in between all that.
1: I'm reading a book and I've just met a new friend about three weeks ago. His name's Darren Gray, and he formerly ran All Pro Dad, which is sports sports thing that's been around for 15 years, founded by Tony Dungy, great Christian leader. And part of the book talks about the Indianapolis Colts. And there's one player, he was coming out of the tunnel for the Super Bowl. And his dad came running down and said, son, son. And the son goes, dad, not now. And then ran out onto the field. And he stopped about 30 yards down, turned around and ran back to see his father. And the dad goes, dad, dad. And the dad was already three quarters of the way up the stadium. And then he finally heard the son's voice and he came running back down, gave him a hug. They touched hands and he said, dad, thank you so much. It's because of you that I'm here. And I think the jersey effect, what he talks about in the book is that the jersey, when when these players put on the NFL jersey or Steve becomes highly successful in sales, you can easily say it was all me and I did it. Right. I don't need you, father. Right. And father meaning God, father meaning the dad in the stands. And that flip of that moment, he remembered and realized, holy cow, all these years that led me to the NFL to make this $10 million Super Bowl check. It's all for naught if I don't seek first the kingdom. So the point of view that I would add to this conversation is seek first the kingdom. What does that mean? Second is business. And that's really my second half of life post-50 is all about seek first the kingdom. And then the business stuff lines up behind that. And to your point, Steve, there's a CEO I work with. I was at the Indy 500 recently, and I went up to him with my wife there with me. And I said, you know what? I can't say this lightly to any other people, like anyone in my family I'd take a bullet for. And I said, Devin, I would take a bullet for you. You know, and he was just kind of moved like, wow, because he's that kind of leader that you run into sometimes. And he goes, well, I hope we try to at least get the bad guy first. I go, well, I hope the bullet hits me on the shoulder, but seek first the kingdom and all will be added is something that I would add to the dialogue here. I just
3: just respond, Chad, to the two words of kingdom and business. For some, there's a fear of separating both, which is not really the way, in my opinion, because the kingdom of God, sometimes people see it as up in the clouds. Because God is up there. They believe. I see it through my own experience of around us, within us. It moves amongst us. And that's the business of the kingdom. Then the kingdom is the foundation for everything else you do. Primarily family, primarily friends, primarily faith, primarily non-believer. Because what brings inner fulfillment? You can still be very fulfilled as a person and have no faith. Of course, as a pastor, I'd love as many as possible to be members of the faith. Of course I would. But there are people who have no faith at all for many, many reasons, and that's to be respected, but who are very happy people, and they're living the kingdom without realizing it. (laughs) I love it. Well, Steve, let's talk a little bit
1: about one of my early books that I read was The Greatest Salesman in the World, and it talks about live each day as if it were your last, there's the scrolls that you read. It's biblical in nature, the very storyline. And I've read that book multiple times. I bought dozens of them and handed them out to people. And in your book, to me, kind of takes the greatest salesman in the world and brings it into the year 2022, 2023, because it's got 50 different scrolls, if you will, or themes What are a few of them? Gratitude, giving back your time and money, improving your fitness. Like share with us a couple of the big ones, if you would.
2: Yeah, it's one of my favorite books as well. As a matter of fact, if I remember correctly, when we first met and you became one of my sales guys, I think I recommended that book to you way back when. So still recommend it to so many people. I just recommended it to my daughter. I know my son has read it, recommended it to my daughter recently. And I have to admit, when I thought about writing the book, I didn't want it to be an instruction manual. I wanted it to be a fictitious story that would be compelling, maybe controversial, embrace the reader. And I remember what Mandino did with The Greatest Salesman in the World. So I used that. I Idea, so he certainly does uh, deserve some credit from the creative sense on my side, where I, how I created this. But some of the principles that I think i like to talk about as it pertains to this dialogue, spirituality, one of the principles that I certainly did see is the great leaders and the great successful people that were happy did have a degree of spirituality in them. And sometimes when I would tell them that, hey, by the way, you seem like a spiritual guy or a spiritual woman, some of them would say to me, me? I mean, I don't even know if I believe in God. I don't go to church. I'm not practicing my formal religion. What makes you think I'm spiritual? And I would share with them the way in which you care about your people right? The way in which you go beyond the call of duty for them, you have compassion there. You have this give back thing. You donate your time and money. That's a spiritual action. So in some people, they meditated and that was their spiritual action. So I think that's one of the things that I saw. Another key principle, you mentioned it, is the idea of gratitude, thankfulness. I am a strong believer in, that it's always important to strive and it's important to achieve additional things in your life, but you have to be thankful for what you have and you have to realize if I were able to get nothing else, I'm good with what I have. And truly, if you feel that while you have goals and objectives, which is another important principle, you go after those goals and objectives more with a clear mind. So goals would be a next one and then I'll give you one more and then I'll, I'll pass it back to you or Father. And that one is is faith faith in yourself, faith in a higher power, faith in God, faith in the universe that you can indeed achieve what you're setting out to achieve and there is a, a line in the Bible that I love to think about now you know I'm not a, a Bible preaching kind of guy but I love the lean not on your own understanding like we set these goals we visualize we meditate and I've done a lot of that in my life of what I want to achieve and I've been thankful that it has come but it didn't always come in the timing that I wanted it right so it was okay I can't lean on my own understanding I have to have that faith that the things I'm looking for will happen and that increases my faith in God and those kinds of things as well. So those are some of the principles that I write about that I've seen very successful people demonstrate.
1: And one more thing about the book while we're on this topic, you mentioned it's fictional. I love how the theme is around almost challenging some of the hundreds of year beliefs of Catholicism? And do I have to show up to church on Sundays? Are there certain ritual behavior that are required to have a relationship with Jesus and to have belief in the higher power? And you do it in a tongue in cheek sort of way that's really amazing.
2: Yeah. And it's funny. Let me comment on that. I consider myself a rebel Catholic because all of those things that the character Mark Tossi, who became Father Mark, those are obviously my views, my thoughts, the challenges. And when I met Father Arnold here, we met on a golf course. A great mutual friend introduced us, and we had a great time playing golf. And I said to him, I have to give you my book. I want you to read my book. And you may not like it because I challenged the Catholic church. And of course, Father Arnold is a Catholic priest. He was gracious enough to read it, and then we communicated about it. I think we've got a lot in alignment, but I'll let Father Arnie here kind of give his perspective.
3: The next time I'm going to play golf with Stephen, I'm going to get his ball and throw it into the river. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very good book because I often feel that something that challenges your own thought process is learning. If you're going to read something that's always part of who you are, what you believe, what you hold dear, there's no knowledge in that. Knowledge comes from a diversified views and reflections of life. Steve mentioned a number of things about the book in particular, successful people have spirituality. When I think of the word spirituality, it's the spirit. The spirit is within us. It guides us. It drives us from the strictly Catholic sense of it. Father, Son and Spirit. The Trinity make it up. Confirmation Day. I often see the spirits, and sometimes these theological concepts are difficult to explain, but I often see the spirit of doing the extraordinary within the ordinary, if that makes sense. So doing something extraordinary in a very simple way. That takes a great gift, but it takes a great talent to do that. And obviously we hear the story of the power of the talents and so on. Steve mentions the care of people. I mean, in the book you mentioned that, Steve. I think that's extremely important. It goes back to the point I made there about dignity and respect, caring. No more than I have a duty of the pastoral care of people here. All of you in your own roles have a duty of care. And we see many more nurses, doctors, surgeons. We see many other facets of life, caring, Giving without counting the cost. Thankfulness. As Steve was speaking about, thankfulness was the gospel story of the parable of the 10 lepers. 10 were cured and one came back to say thanks. So how often do we say thanks? And finally, goals. Yeah, I think goals are extremely important. And faith. Again, I mentioned the different categories of a faith dimension and none. All faiths and none. I think, I think it's important being that sense of non-believers into this conversation, because they have so much to offer to what Steve has written, to what I'm doing on a daily basis. It enriches me in my role as a pastor, because like, I see myself as a shepherd of everyone. That's how I see my role. Not strictly from the Catholic Church, but a shepherd of everyone who hopefully, through my spirituality, through my caring, through being thankful, and through some of the goals that you set, that people will see that the kingdom is alive, it's active, it's very well.
1: We started in the shallow end of the pool. Let's wade our way a little bit into the deeper end of the pool now. (laughs) I'd like to pivot the conversation to a topic that's really, I think, global, but certainly a U.S. topic, and that is diversity, equity, and inclusion topic. I've heard this topic come up at multiple events that I've been at, and the visual that comes up time and time again is three people at a baseball stadium. And there's a wall. And if you were not tall enough to see over the wall, you wouldn't be able to see the baseball game. They show the shortest person has two boxes underneath them. The middle person has one box. And then the tallest person, the basketball player, gets to look over and have a great view of the field. And so on the surface, makes great sense to me because why wouldn't we give the person that's not as, you know, that's vertically challenged, why would we not give them two boxes to be able to see over? I think a lot of people are using that visual and analogy to apply it to situations that may not be as relevant as the one we just talked about. For example, that same four foot five housewife that's 58 years old, I don't know if they'd be a great basketball player in the NBA. And so there would be a mismatch of skills. So it's like, well, hey, we use DEI practices around here. Of course, we want Gertrude, the 58-year-old stay-at-home mom, to play against LeBron. It's not going to work so well. So how do you balance where our culture is doing the right thing, saying, hey, we should have more inclusion, we should have more diversity, with is there a mismatch of skills? Because God made all of the snowflakes in the world, there's never been one that's been the same. And so he made us all with certain strengths and therefore non-strengths. And so how do we figure out this whole DEI thing and, and how does it play with the Bible?
2: Let me give it from the business side and I'll pass it to Father Arnie. My first comment on it is, I think the whole idea of diversity and inclusion has brought us to a better place because I think, I'll say in the old days, you had to be a certain frame of a person. It may be race, it may be experience, it may be school, I don't know, for you to get in the in crowd of a certain kind of career. I think that we've learned over the years is diversity is really important because it gives new perspectives and that helps you be more successful. So I think there is a place for it. I'm a supporter of it. The part that for me in the business world feels like it's gone over the edge is that we tend to lose the idea that there's no free lunch, right? I think the, I'll say this, the younger generation feels more of like, I deserve to get it, entitlement, right? No, you've got to go perform. If you don't perform, just like your favorite baseball team. If you're a Yankee fan, are you happy? that they're losing, that they've had certain kind of players. Okay. Well, no, you're not happy about well in business, you're going to be held accountable. And it doesn't matter size, shape, sex, race, you're going to be held accountable. The other part that I struggle with, and I would love the perspective of Father Arnie's on this one is more and more organizations seem to be reducing the qualifications of an individual to have more inclusion I just heard New York police, for example, they're dropping the standards so more people can join the police. And I've heard this in various other things and I'm scratching my head saying, wait a minute, if I were to get on a plane and fly somewhere and I heard that, well, you know, to have more people included, reduce the qualifications of pilots, do I want to get on that plane? But sometimes it feels like we're going a little too far and we're looking for free lunches and that's not my personal belief. So I guess I'm giving both sides. I'm a supporter of it, but I think we've got to go back to the fundamentals of happiness and success is you got to go achieve things. you got to pay the price to be successful. But let me hear Father Arnie's perspective. When Chad
3: mentioned diversity and inclusion, I said, wow, oh my God, that is a huge air balloon, guys, hot air balloon. This is a huge narrative here. Um, I just put down some words and some pointers. I put down inclusion and the opposite is exclusion. So you're part of it. If you're in, you're excluded. If you're not, you raised that wonderful story, Chad, about the lady who's four foot five and she's never going to make a basketball player in the NBA and so on. But it struck me, she could make a very good analyst for the team. So she said she may not be able to jump up and hit that basketball, but she can sit beside the manager and say, well, by the way, Chad is after performing 80% of his capacity. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. So this four foot five housewife He's doing a brilliant job. That's just a response uh, to that. Um, if you're talking about diversity and inclusion, I put down the apostles. Um, Peter, he couldn't be any different to Thomas. Thomas couldn't be any different to James. Andrew, in one of the stories, Zorro, um, I think it might have been James and his brother John, they were looking for special places in heaven. And the other 10 heard of this and they were indignant. They got angry and Jesus said, no. They're not gifts for me to give. But the important thing is, as I mentioned earlier, is to serve and not to be served. I think, lads, it goes without saying that Pope Francis, I think it's a papacy of diversity and inclusion. I think he's done more as Pope in 10 years. Absolutely, we've had brilliant Popes down the centuries. But this particular Pope, I think, is a Pope for the modern world. And I think the modern world is very much a world of inclusion that young people are now going to college and going through high school and going through elementary school. are very much aware of the diversity that is there. Unlike my day, it wasn't yeah. just there. I put down words like clone culture as well. Is that what we want? That everyone is brilliant at everything. I think that happened during the Nazi regime. They wanted a perfect race. Look where that got us. And um, other things like fundamentals. I agree wholeheartedly we need some fundamentals. We need the fundamentals of respect, dignity. You need to be able to be a qualified pilot to fly that plane. Of course, I would not get on as much as I love X. But if they're not qualified, in my view, they can't. I think that's out of respect and dignity for them. They know themselves. I'm not qualified. I'm not a qualified doctor. I'm not a qualified dentist and so on. So they're just broad brushes. But I think just to conclude this particular category of our conversation, people see inclusion. They're recognised in a mile away. And inclusion, I also see as welcome. And I certainly, something that I try to do, certainly on a daily, if not weekly basis, welcome people, give them something of a message of hope. I suppose I'm going to get myself into trouble for saying this, but I tend to stray from major, if you like, debatable topics on a homily. I think a homily is for the faithful to nourish them, to guide them and to offer a message of hope because someone's sitting in front of me there on a Sunday, I don't know what their story is, but if I can resonate
2: with them, and raised them up as opposed to bring them down well, then job done so i'd like to bring up a topic of inclusion and actually it's part of my book in the opening scene when father mark is doing his homily on easter morning if you recall he covers the topic of coming for communion and he covers the topic where technically you're not supposed to come for communion unless you're a practicing catholic etc cetera, etc cetera. but he invites everyone to come Because if it really is the body of Christ, wouldn't we want everyone to have that wonderful spirit Mm -hmm. inside them? So in his view, it was, you know what? Everyone's welcome. So maybe that's one of my examples of inclusion. And I'm sure we could go down the path of a conversation on that one. Or women becoming priests. That's another topic of inclusion, right? The particular
3: one in question, I'm faced with that reality every day. And sometimes there's some wonderful people, some people are very, very true to the teachings, if I dare I say, a very strict sense. And I respect that and I embrace that. The other side of the coin is the very much broader-minded approach. But you know, so my experience has been meeting people in the middle. And I've often had this with both sides of the aisle, if I use that phrase, and meeting people in the middle. And sometimes the pastoral ministry is not always black and white. It's not always. There is a grey area that you thread. It's a fine balance. You ask yourself, what would Christ do? You ask yourself, would you cause scandal? So if a leading politician comes up and you know they're in a state of non-grace by virtue of, of the way of their life, I'm faced with a pastoral reality as a shepherd, as I said earlier. Do I refuse them or do I offer Holy Communion? Which is, is the better decision to make? I would give it to avoid scandal. I think I'm always trying to, to, in this situation, to avoid scandal. That's in the strict sense of Holy Communion. Of course you want people in a state of perfect grace coming up for communion. Absolutely. But the world is not like that. There's no one perfect. understand.
1: Well, and I think what you guys have just touched on is the exact theme of You Matter to Christ, because when you have an audience of one, and you're not trying to please the world, and God sees you for exactly who you are, you're perfect. He made you with his image in mind. And so if we can, I think the world tends to want to build a left and a right and a this group versus a that group. And if we can look at it, and Steve, this goes back to your software idea years ago of tablets, I think you called it, where it's, hey, we've got this big software application. Let's build plugins to the software code so that every individual company can have a custom fit solution. And to me, that's the same thing with as related to people. So we're putting on an event at the Museum of the Bible on September the 7th, and it's called the Pro Player Prayer Project. It's one of the same people who created He Gets Us, the commercial that's on the Super Bowl. And we talked as a strategy session for the last two, three weeks in a row. And the question came up, hey, there's this person that could bring a huge audience, but they're extremely tied to one of the sides of the conversation. Maybe not a great idea to bring someone in that's politically charged because it's an audience of one and we want to have everyone's welcome. If you're atheist, if you're Jewish, guess what? A lot of people still pray. I just talked to an atheist who prays in the shower. He's a friend of mine for 20 years. He's not a believer, but he believes in love. And I'm like, excellent. If you've moved the word God to love and love to God, God is love. Love is God. And then he prays and she goes, I can't pray to God because I just don't know if I believe in God but I prayed to the Lord. (laughs) I was like, excellent. Like, you believe in love, you practice love, and you pray to the Lord in the shower. Like, that's amazing. You're welcome. Come to the Museum of the Bible and meet all these other people who have similar practices in their lives. So before we wrap up, are there any thoughts that you'd like to leave with this group? Because we've covered a lot of topics today. What's the kind of final
2: thought that you would like to share? Actually, I've got a question, not to make this go longer, but I would love Father Arnie's perspective on this. I look at the word division. There's lots of division in our society today. Political division, racial division. We need more unity and we have to find a way to do it the media certainly hurts unity i was on a treadmill earlier this morning in the gym and i was listening to a podcast but in front of me were, i don't know eight tvs you know across and you could decide which tv you want to listen to. and i'm um, cnn is over there msnbc is over there fox is over there fox business is over there and you watch the subtitles of what they're talking about and you're like you got to be kidding me this one says that that one says that. and we know this goes on in the media right We've forgotten about it's not who is right, it is what is right. Why can't we lean more toward do the right thing? with all this division. How do we bring more spirituality, Father, into the divides that we have, the racial divides, the crime divide? In the United States, And in my view, it's horrible that we allow people to break into stores and we're not going to pursue them legally as a legal system won't pursue them because they stole under $800. And there's actually politicians that say that's okay. I'm sure it's okay until somebody breaks into their house and takes items that are not worth $800. They're going to be okay with that, right? Like what's going on? How do we put spirituality into this to kind of get everybody back on track or on a better track
3: steve if i were to answer that question i'd have my own
2: show there you go yeah okay
3: i'd have millions of followers it's division serves nothing and whether you're the top ceo of a top company in the world or in america in ireland or europe if you're not able to negotiate and sit down with people and tease out a deal and an agreement well then who suffers what suffers the company. I will be coming from a very, obviously, non-political perspective completely. I'm coming from a role in this narrative of scriptural, spiritual, and so on. Chad mentioned there a few moments ago that Ling and you said, the only one who's perfect is God and Our Lady in the Catholic tradition. God is perfect. We are made in God's image and likeness. We are weak. We are sinful people. That's because we're not perfect. But I would hold also, it's about choice. It's about choice. So, for example, how is division caused in the political world, the corporate world, in the church, and so on. Is it agendas? Is it perspectives? Is it egos? I don't know. But on a broader scale, to conclude, from my perspective, would be division serves nothing. There's a balance to be got. And I think the decisions that are made, no matter what sphere of life we're in, they will always have that sense of respect and care for another. Not always easy, but it's well worth a challenge. Awesome. Thank you.
1: Yeah, that's great. Well, and I think this, I also run a podcast called AI for Sales, and we talk about artificial intelligence. And one of my biggest concerns going into that is we need to create a new position called the chief ethics officer. Just like the CIO was born 25, 30 years ago, now heading into this new world where AI gets to function and probably start to make some decisions for companies who gets to control the underwriting algorithm. And so that's an interesting topic that I think plays with all of this. So, big things ahead. If people want to get a hold of your book, Steve,
2: and reach you, what would be the best way to find you? They could certainly go to Amazon to purchase the book, A Single Day of Peace. They can go to my website, asingledayofpeace.com. You can connect with me there. You can send me an email there. LinkedIn, I'm on LinkedIn, Stephen D'Angelo. You can always connect with me there, send me a note there. Happy to connect and respond.
1: Father Arnie, if people want to play a round of golf with you in your next visit to the United States, where would they reach
3: you? Can I just start with Augusta and maybe Bethpage and Pebble Beach and Marion and Pine Valley? I'm open to all offers.
2: And I'm your caddy. If you get invited to any or all of them, I am your caddy. I'm coming. Where to go.
1: I love it. Well, it's been a real pleasure talking with you both today. Thank you for being the first show of the You Matter to Christ podcast today, because remember, you matter and you matter to Christ. So thanks for being here, everyone. Thanks for listening. And we'll catch you on the next episode of You Matter to Christ. Thanks, Chad. Thanks, Chad.
0: Thank you for joining us on the You Matter to Christ podcast. We hope this journey has reminded you of the incredible truth that your life holds immense value and significance to Christ. As you go about your day, may you carry the assurance that no matter what you face, you are deeply cherished and loved. Remember, you matter to Christ. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with others who may benefit from this message. Stay tuned for more transformative episodes where we continue to explore the depth of God's love and grace. Until next time, remember that you are not alone. Christ's love is with you, guiding and strengthening you every step of the way. May your life be filled with hope, Purpose and the knowledge that you matter to Christ.